Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Fight Against COVID-19, What's Really Going On, a CGTN radio podcast that brings you everything you need to know about the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Do Hongyu. In this edition, we'll look at China's downgraded management of COVID-19, what are tourism insiders' expectations for a rebound with the latest shift in China's COVID response, and how much Chinese people's daily lives have returned to normal. January 8, 2023 marks the start of a new phase in China's response to the novel coronavirus. The country now treats COVID-19 as a Category B infectious disease, meaning that most restrictions related to it are lifted. A key part of the new anti-COVID policy is that travelers no longer have to take PCR test or hotel quarantine upon entering the country. They only need to take a COVID test 48 hours before departure. This morning, the Cathay Pacific CX-334 flight carrying over 290 passengers became the first overseas flight to land in the Beijing Capital International Airport after China's downgraded COVID management took effect. Earlier, one passenger flight from Canada landed in the city of Guangzhou, and another from Singapore landed in Shenzhen. Close to 400 passengers on board finished the customs formalities in about an hour. With most pandemic border controls lifted, airports in China became bustling again. At Beijing's Daxing International Airport, there have been increasing passenger flows, and the airport is ready to receive more. Youyang has more. Restrictions on entry of international flights, such as the 5-1 policy, a rule under which a country can send only one flight of one airline via a single route only once per week, will be lifted as well. These are China's civilization sector well into its winter and spring flight season, and during the five-month period that began in last October and ran through March 25th, officials plan for around 840 international flights, a year-on-year increase of over 105%. So here at the Beijing Daxing International Airport, let's talk to Ms. Vera Li, and who is the manager of aviation business at the Beijing Daxing International Airport. To welcome our international and regional passengers, we warmed up ourselves with initiatives like market preparation, operational enhancement, equipment maintenance, as well as personnel training. On uh, December the 29th, a workshop was held to uh, ensure the readiness for receiving. And by today, January the 8th, we can confirm that we are able to receive international and regional flights. Uh, uh, we sat down with both the Chinese domestic and international airlines to uh, understand their intentions and to know their schedule. We are happy to tell you that um, we will have our international and regional flights back before the Lunar New Year with a series of inaugural ceremony. And by the date of uh, January the 17th, well, uh, airlines like China Southern, China Eastern, as well as Himalaya will have their first flight departing and arriving at Daxing International Airport after nearly three years of suspension. Wow, really happy to know that. That was Youyang reporting. In Shanghai, many travelers are planning their itineraries, and some say they will wait to see how COVID situation will develop. I want to go to Hong Kong or Macau because the quarantine are scrapped. I want to wait and see other foreign countries' policies for inbound Chinese travelers. I'll probably make travel plans to go to Europe or America for either travel or work. 
I want to see how the COVID situation will be other countries after the Spring Festival and decide. If I have time and money, I want to go to Japan this year. I want to wait and see, to pass through this difficult time smoothly. If there are no other problems, I would like to go abroad. And in Hong Kong, Chief Executive John Lee toured and inspected the Lok Ma Chao Station on Sunday morning as the city resumes quarantine-free travel with the Chinese mainland. An Chang reports. Quarantine-free travel between Hong Kong and the Chinese mainland uh, has resumed after three years with the first phase of border reopening having started this morning. And here at Lok Ma Chao Station, one of the reopened border control points facilitating cross-border travel, travel by land. And behind me is where people are departing towards the Chinese mainland. And it's been bustling with much more traffic uh, compared to the arrival hall where inbound travelers have been filtering in more slowly. One arrival that I spoke to said that he was surprised that there were so few people but uh, uh, coming into Hong Kong. But nevertheless, the, the sentiment from inbound and outbound travelers is positive and people are happy to be able to travel across the border again. Today, January the 8th, there is officially no more quarantine for us. I'm very happy. The first thing I will do is have Cantonese morning tea and visit my friends and parents. I've been away for almost a year. I'm very excited and can't wait to go back. And aside from this station, three other border points have also reopened. So including the three existing ones that have been operating prior to today, there are now a total of seven border control points facilitating cross-boundary travel with the Chinese mainland. And uh, there is a daily quota. Uh, about up to 50,000 uh, 50, people can travel each way at land crossings. And for land crossings, this station actually has the biggest quota with a maximum of 35,000 people that can cross each way per day. Now, the quota doesn't include returning travelers and there also isn't a quota for flights, ferries or bus crossings. So for those places like the airport, um, the government estimates total traffic to be about 10,000 people per day each way. And as for tickets, people can uh, uh, book their spots via an online booking system and it's allocated on a first-come, first-served basis. Now, Chief Executive John Lee was also here earlier. He said that today's opening was smooth and he was satisfied with how things went. And based on the booking system, Lee says that it will be most crowded just before Chinese New Year. He also says that a full reopening is the aim and the government will monitor the situation and work towards gradually increasing the quota. That was An Cheng in Hong Kong. Now that China has resumed orderly outbound travel, Chinese visitors are expected to contribute greatly to the world's tourism industry. Countries like New Zealand are getting ready to welcome them. Owen Poland has more from Auckland. The welcome return of Chinese visitors to New Zealand without the need for any COVID tests represents another important milestone in New Zealand's recovery from the pandemic. Despite the testing requirements imposed by some countries, New Zealand's COVID-19 response minister says that Chinese visitors represent a minimal health risk and they won't contribute significantly to the existing COVID case numbers, mainly because the Omicron variant that's circulating in China at the moment is similar to the variant that's already here. Of course, New Zealanders already have very high levels of immunity uh, because most people, including myself, have had the virus and also more than 90% of the population have been vaccinated. However, the government says it wants more information from Chinese visitors about uh, future health risks. So people who are arriving from today are being asked to take a voluntary COVID test 
to check for new variants. Scientists will also be testing the wastewater from aircraft to look for new strains. New Zealand's message today to Chinese visitors is that you're welcome to come here without the need for any mandatory COVID tests. But if you're unwell or if you've tested positive, then you should stay home and isolate until you recover. That was Owen Poland reporting from Auckland, New Zealand. Southeast Asian countries that depend on revenue from tourism are welcoming China's relaxation of restrictions on international travel. Countries including Cambodia, Indonesia and Singapore say they will not require COVID tests for travelers from China. Vietnam, Thailand and Malaysia say preparations are underway to welcome back Chinese visitors with campaigns ready to promote their countries on the Chinese mainland. President of the Association of Thai Travel Agents, Sistiwash Chiwa Ratanaporn, says they're ready for the return of Chinese tourists. Chinese tourists are very important to Thailand. All of Thailand's travel agencies, hotels and attractions are preparing. Thailand is ready, and our association will do our best to help host Chinese tourist groups. Cambodian Minister of Tourism Tang Khan expects China's shift in COVID response to benefit the global tourism industry. I think it is not only good for Cambodia that China has resumed outbound tourism in an orderly manner, but it also greatly benefits the global tourism industry. For Cambodia, we welcome Chinese tourists very much. Cambodia will always welcome Chinese people, Chinese tourists and Chinese investors. And in the Chinese mainland, travel agencies are also striving to promote businesses and welcome back foreign tourists. Zhang Keqiong is the spokesperson for China Tourism Group Travel Service. Since mid-December, we have received orders from overseas travel services and tourism wholesalers. All of them are our regular clients. Some of the booked trips are scheduled for October. Hong Kong is currently the hottest destination in China, but with adjustment of our entry policies, bookings for trips to cities such as Beijing, Shanghai, Xi'an, Hangzhou and Guilin are gradually rebounding. He also says there has been a growing number of consultations overseas about trips to China. We have more than 50 visa service centers in 26 countries and regions. Recently, consultations and demand for family visit visa have seen a noticeable increase in countries like Australia, Canada and Japan, while in European countries like Germany and Spain, there have been growing attention to business and tourism trips to China. Zhang also said many European customers have expressed hopes that the travel visa service can resume as soon as possible, while clients in Russia and Latin America are looking forward to the resumption of group tours to China. For more on China's move to downgrade the management of COVID-19, my colleague Ho Na spoke with Professor Hu Naijun from the School of Public Policy and Management and the University of Chinese Academy of Sciences. Professor Hu, while China is now implementing its Class B management of COVID-19, in the past three years, the country has kept on adjusting its measures. So why is China taking this step now? Well, I think there are four sectors to help us to transfer our policy measure. The first factor is definitely the virus itself. Uh, As we can see from the data and the statistics, it is very obvious that the Omicron variants is 
severe symptoms ratio and uh, its mortality ratio has decreased dramatically comparing with the original virus back in 2020. So I think the virus has changed, then our policy and measures must change. And then the second factor, in my opinion, is our preparation. In the last three years, I think not only the healthcare resources, but also the knowledge, the information, the research, and other kinds of preparations, in my opinion, are fully achieved. So I think it is a ripe time and a appropriate time for our country to change the whole policy and measures under this time. So I think it is after preparations that we open up, not other reasons. A downgrade of COVID management does not mean the absence of management. So what do you think are the main challenges China will face in the next period? Well, yes, of course, we, we do not want to have zero prevention and control. We must have a basic level of prevention and control. But I think the focus, the emphasis has changed. Uh, we used to make, make our emphasis on the prevention and uh, zero dynamic uh, the dynamic zero infection. But right now, I think our focus and emphasis is on the treatment and uh, prevention of severe symptoms. So I think right now, yes, just as you have mentioned, the burdens, the responsibilities is on uh, the healthcare systems, not on the public health as it used to be. So I think uh, the challenges is definitely in our healthcare system. We must make sure our uh, personnel, our resources, our medicines, our hospitals, our community uh, healthcare service centers are all prepared. So uh, I don't think about our responsibilities and burdens are discreet. I, I think we, we should have to do something more in the future to treat the new uh, trend. That was Professor Hu Nijun at the University of Chinese Academy of Sciences sharing his insights into the shift in China's COVID response. China classified COVID-19 as a Category B infectious disease in 2020, but has managed it as a Category A disease, considering its infectivity and pathogenicity at that time. This policy put the disease on par with bubonic plague or cholera and empowered local authorities to impose lockdowns and other restrictions. Now the country treats it as a Category B disease, a class that also includes infectious diseases like HIV and bird flu. There will also be no more sealed control of COVID-19 cases and their close contacts. No more designation of high-risk areas and large-scale nucleic acid testing. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Deutsche Director of the International Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. Welcome back. Over the past three years, China has been re-evaluating and adjusting its policies to meet the needs of both saving lives and ensuring socioeconomic development. So far, authorities have published 10 editions of COVID prevention and control protocols. 
The fifth edition was published on February 21, 2020, less than a month after Wuhan was in lockdown. It listed the specifics of science-based classification of epidemic risk levels for the first time. In the two years that followed, active adjustments were made to deal with the evolving virus and the public demand. As the Omicron variant became dominant, major changes were put into place. Most notably, on December the seventh, two thousand twenty-two, China announced ten changes on the national level. Liang Wenyan is head of China's COVID nineteen response expert panel. We have been actively optimizing and refining our COVID nineteen response according to the situation. Now China has entered a new phase of COVID prevention and control, and we will take the best control measures for the Chinese people to minimize impact on people's livelihoods. The World Health Organization also expressed its support for China's policy change in December. Here's WHO spokesperson Margaret Harris. We are happy to see the adjustment, which is very important, and、uh, to balance the needs to control the transmission of the virus with also the socio-economic needs, the needs of the population, the needs to get on with society. So we're going to say to the general public, it's important to be able to move beyond very severe restrictions. We've all done it, we've all been through it, and it is a very, very difficult period. China's COVID policy is now shifting from prevention and control to medical treatment, giving more resources to protect vulnerable groups. However, the situation is again evolving as the new policies were announced. Demand for hospital and clinic treatment has surged. Pharmacies faced difficulties as demand for medicines soared, and the public is coping with higher chances of being infected. Jeff Schlegelmelsch with Columbia University's Earth Institute says countries are in a process of looking for the appropriate approach to the current COVID situation. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it's not really a do no harm scenario. It's which approach is going to cause less harm than the other. Countries are, around the world, and, and China in particular, is trying to balance this. Right? What is the, the the measured approach to preventing infection and keeping it at a level that is manageable within the healthcare system, that is acceptable within the population,、um, with a dynamic that's changing with new variants, with new countermeasures. The overall situation appears to be turning for the better since the Chinese government took measures to stabilize the price and supply of medicines, and courier companies wrapped up their workforce in regions that are overwhelmed with delivery demands. Chinese officials say the country has had sufficient medical equipment and beds for COVID treatment. Health authorities also reassure that foreigners in China can receive equal treatment as Chinese citizens if infected. The country has opened nearly 57,000 fever clinics, utilizing temporary hospitals and stadiums. Designated COVID treatment hospitals are equipped with more than 1.4 million beds, and medical facilities now have more than 200,000 ICU beds and 100,000 more in reserve than can be turned into ICU beds. As China's top expert in the intensive care unit, Kang Yan from West China Hospital spoke about the current status of treatments for severe patients and possible infection hikes after the lifting of border controls. The Spring Festival is coming, and they are very likely to have new infections and severe cases due to the travel rush. So hospitals are preparing well for the new wave of infections, expanding their medical resources and training more medical workers. 
The treatment and medical systems for severe cases in China are mature since it's been three years, and all hospitals are experienced in distinguishing people with underlying high risks, making treatment plans for patients with high risks and those in critical condition. But it's still necessary to train more medical workers and to raise their awareness of patients in critical condition and offer them treatment under the guidance of our country. Theoretically, there will be more tourists traveling to China, as well as a new subvariant, which is the risk China has to take. But just like XBB, the new subvariant overall is related to Omicron. There is no evidence that it can cause more severe illness. Hospitals in China have done preparations for a long time for the travel rush of reopenness and the Spring Festival. I believe they can handle this. Moreover, China's National Health Commission is considerate and has also organized the top medical experts to provide guidance for ICU departments in every province, upgrading their treatment capability and the medical system to handle the coming challenges. We visited more than 10 hospitals in Sichuan and Yunnan, and they did well in helping people in critical condition, even though there is still room for improvement. That was ICU expert Kang Yan from West China Hospital. To encourage more elderly people to get COVID-19 vaccine injections is among priorities after China relaxes pandemic controls. Cities and counties across the country have improved their vaccine services to better serve seniors. Wen Jie has more. Hujiao Subdistrict of Beijing has about 48,000 people, 30% of which are over 60 years old. Local communities have provided door-to-door COVID-19 vaccine injections and minibuses for sending elderly people for treatment. Community doctor Liu Ziyan has been working to provide door-to-door injections for nine months. He says they have helped nearly 600 elderly people who have underlying diseases or disabilities. After receiving requests of vaccine injections. We'll contact seniors or their family members to assess their physical conditions. Then our team will take medical devices to their homes. We first measure their blood pressure and blood glucose, and then give the injection and monitor their reactions. Liu says the number of fully vaccinated senior citizens has reached 90% in their district, and there are now few severe COVID cases. The district also disputed healthcare items, including masks, fever-related drugs. Ibuprofen and sterilizing products. Meantime, counties and villages in Heilongjiang Province have also organized volunteers to teach local people how to make online appointments for vaccine injections and provide high-risk groups with the care they need. Xu Chunjing was inspired by the volunteers to join in and help others. I helped to collect the health conditions of seniors in two apartment buildings. I can feel the residents' positive attitude toward getting the COVID-19 vaccines. Neighbors also help each other, and their well-being is much better than I had imagined. She herself lives with five seniors on a farm. She says her 85-year-old grandma and others are still in good condition. My parents and relatives have all been fully vaccinated and they're in good health. Some of them have not been infected until this day. I think vaccines do have a high level of protection against severe symptoms. My father just had a mild cough after the infection and he recovered quickly. Xu says more and more people are actively asking about different types of COVID-19 vaccines. 
and are signing up for their family members. In China, many communities also opened a green channel for elderly people to get vaccinated more easily, including a customized signing up system. Map systems also updated vaccination locations to help people find the latest information on the sites of COVID-19 vaccine services. That was Wenjie reporting. With the lifting of most COVID restrictions, Chinese people's daily lives are also returning to normal. Starting from Sunday, body temperature checks no longer need to be conducted on passengers and subway stations in Beijing. Jiang Tao spoke with some passengers. The new measure is in line with authorities' latest efforts to ease COVID curbs as people begin to adjust to a post-pandemic era. Many passengers have welcomed the move, showing little concern for a higher risk of infection. I think it's actually good to roll out such a policy because it will be more convenient for everyone and it will save our commute time. Actually, I'm pretty okay with the policy because I have confidence in my health condition. However, I think it's important to at least respect the disease and at least try your best not to infect others. With the continuous optimization of COVID measures and efforts to minimize impacts on people's lives, the city is seeing a growing number of social activities and passenger flows. Meanwhile, the public seemed to have gained stronger health awareness under the impact of the virus. Fan Yongmei is a lawyer in Beijing. She says COVID-19 has significantly raised her hygiene awareness. The first thing I do when I'm back home is to spray alcohol on my clothes and then immediately wash hands. The clothes outside are absolutely not allowed to enter the bedroom. When it comes to takeout food, I will not have direct contact with delivery men, and I will also spray alcohol on the coverage. Then I'll heat it in the microwave oven. Echo in fine, passenger Fan Xiaoli says people need to try their best to reduce the risk of an infection. People need to take more measures in self-protection to prevent reinfection. Don't take off masks in public areas. For me, I've bought an alcoholic spray gun to disinfect every parcel or take out food packages. To reduce infection risks, Beijing subway authorities say disinfection is conducted once per hour on all security devices, handrails, and many other facilities at the stations. Public areas, including station entrances and exits, platforms, and concourses, are disinfected once every four hours during operation hours. Passenger Xu Wenzai says people need to cultivate stronger self-protection awareness to cope with the current situation. The relaxation of containment measures doesn't mean the end of COVID. We don't know whether there will be a second, third, or even fourth wave of COVID infections. The things we can do are washing hands regularly, paying more attention to hygiene issues, and wearing masks. Figures show by the end of last month, the passenger flow of Beijing's rail transit recovered to over 70% of the level before the current round of outbreak. Subway authorities have also pledged to ensure smooth services during the upcoming Lunar New Year travel rush. That was Jiang Tao reporting. Chinese students are making plans to study abroad again, while the number of people coming to study in Chinese universities is also expected to bounce back over the next few years. Chen Yiling reports. 
This overseas education agency in China's capital, Beijing, is getting busier. Since the relaxation of COVID-19 restrictions, they are seeing more Chinese students making plans to study abroad again. Our study abroad counseling services are fully booked now. The pandemic has very much delayed the overseas study plans of Chinese students, but the demand remains. The pandemic has taken a toll on the overseas study market. Cancellation of cross-border travel and English tests, higher risk of health and safety issues were among the reasons. But experts say the situation will improve. There will be a recovery in the overseas study market. While the number of Chinese students enrolled in U.S. universities has declined, the number in the U.K. has continued to grow over the past three years. As the international travel resumes, the number of people studying overseas is expected to return to normal levels. Meanwhile, as China continues to ease its borders, foreign students are coming back. These international student dormitories were fairly quiet over the past two years, but they are starting to come back to life. Matos and Madeline were among those who came to China in 2022, after the country eased entry restrictions for international students last August. Despite still needing to quarantine for 10 days when they arrived, they say studying in China is something they've long been waiting for. I really did think I was dreaming because it had been like almost over a year. Out of the blue, right? Like, yeah, a whole year of my life just waiting in suspense whether I'll go to China, whether I'll not, right up until the final months, you know, still not knowing. And then finally seeing that, I was just in shock, like, very happy. <laughs> now, as China further eases its borders, with the full lifting of quarantine for inbound travelers, they believe more international students can benefit. So now more and more people can uh, come here and uh, have this experience as we do have right now. A really interesting adventure to just be here and enjoy the moment. I think the easing of restrictions will definitely bring hope for us as international students and also like Chinese people. Um, just a nice sort of big reunion coming up, I think, for people like to be reunited. More hope and definitely more certainty. Something these young people can finally hold on to when making big decisions for their future life. That was Chen Yiling reporting on the overseas study plans of some students. As the country downgrades the management of COVID-19, the Chinese government says it will continue to pay for hospitalization costs for COVID patients until March the 31st. With hospitalized patients having access to measures open to those with Class A infectious diseases. The reimbursement rate for outpatient and emergency treatment in primary and secondary hospitals with designated health care qualification will also be increased. Residents covered by medical insurance will have no less than 70% of the costs generated from outpatient and emergency COVID-19 infection treatment reimbursed, and there will be no cost floor or ceiling. This policy will remain in place until the end of March. The country will also expand its coverage of drugs used to treat COVID-19 to its national insurance drug list until the end of March to meet the needs of the public. With that, we end this episode of the fight against COVID-19, What's Really Going On? Subscribe to our podcast for another episode filled with facts, stories and opinions concerning the global battle against the novel coronavirus. For more detailed stories about the pandemic, visit radio.cgtn.com or listen to our current affairs program, The Beijing Hour, online. 
drop us a line on our podcast so we can provide you with even more content that interests you. I'm Do Hongyu. Thanks for listening.